Uh, yeah, hello? I'm thirsty. Ugh, I'm just, I'm so thirsty. Hi, um, I would like some sort of refreshment. Welcome to the very first episode of Lemonade. I am the CEO and founder of Necessary Behavior, which is an organization that speaks against unhealthy social norms, works to create a culture of consent, and promotes healthy sexuality. And I'm here with... Jess. My name is Jess. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it's Jess. Um, Yeah, my name is Jess. I'm blanking on my head right now because I drank a little too much wine before this. (laughs) This is take two for everyone who's listening. So if you saw our promo on Instagram, you may be hearing that or you may be hearing this version. If you hear us swallow, I'm sorry, it's just the wine. If you hear us pour wine, it's the wine. Pour a glass yourself. (laughs) Yes. Hear a pour. Pour a pour. Yes. Um, anyway, so my name is Jess, and I am currently working on my sex educator certificate this year. That's like a big goal of mine. And I'm also working for the local school district in a local nonprofit, working with persons with disabilities, just an extreme passion of mine. She's doing a lot, and she's so cool. And that's why she's here. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> of course. So anyways, so Zoe kind of explained like who we are, what we are, and why we're making this podcast. It's really just to educate The general public, you guys. We're so (laughs) glad that you're here listening to us. We're also so excited for this podcast. Yes, we are. And we just want to clarify before we like really get started that we are not experts at all, but we believe that everyone is an expert on their own bodies. So you know your body best. We're not trying to tell you what you should do and what you should not do with your body. Just go with your gut, go with your heart, go with your head. Those three organs. Listen Take to them. <laughs> a mirror and look at your genitals. That is that is my singular piece mm-hmm. of advice. I and I don't I I don't know. It's one of those things that it's like, oh my god, that's so uncomfortable. But I'm like, do it. It is so important. Like, learn what you look like down there. <laughs> look at your anus. <laughs> Anyway, so as Zoe is stressing right now, it is important to understand your body and your body functions. I mean, this isn't going to be an anatomy course. We're just going to talk about like general stuff. Maybe not in this podcast, but in podcasts to come. So, yeah. And we're kicking it off with sex ed because we know that nearly, nearly no one is that is that right? Well, maybe not nearly no one, but like a vast majority of people. Uh, yeah, of people just the did South. Not, <laughs> yeah, everyone. Yeah, pretty much everyone in public school, everyone who's also homeschooled, everyone in a small school district. Every, I'm sorry, my list could continue. But anyways, <laughs> no one received an adequate sex ed, and even if it was like technically comprehensive, there's so many pieces that have been left out of out of comprehensive sex education. Um, and that's why we're here, and that is why we are doing what we're doing, specifically within this episode. 
we will be discussing sex education specifically in the United States. So sex education in the United States falls under two categories. One being comprehensive sex education that we love. We love comprehensive sex education. We like it better than its counterpart, which is abstinence only until marriage education. Which we hate so much. We don't like it and we'll discuss why. So we like comprehensive sex education because it is more inclusive than abstinence only education. It is instructional, method-based, on-curriculum shit. It's the hot so, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially it's science-based and it's based off of research mm-hmm. and evidence-based studies. factual information. Yeah. Studies, all of the good stuff. Um, newsflash, abstinence-based only education is not. We'll get more into it in a second. But... Anyways, comprehensive sex education um, aims to provide students with knowledge, skills, and values that hopefully will help the students to make healthy choices in their sexual lives. What it's doing in a whole is to provide students with the knowledge to make healthy and safe choices about their bodies because it's in the end, it's their body and they should be able to do what they want to do, but they should be able to make educated, feel confident with the decisions they're making. Would you agree? I would agree wholeheartedly. So what does comprehensive sex education teach students? It's a lot more than don't have sex before you are married. Don't get pregnant or else you will die because Jesus is watching you come right now. In this podcast. Yes. (laughs) So examples of what else it teaches students is about STIs, HIV, HPV, reducing unplanned and unwanted pregnancies, domestic violence, sexual violence, consent, safe sex, abortion, Communication, all the C's. Yes. <laughs> Communication, um, contraception, consent, consent, <laughs> all of the good things, all of the things that are necessary to make educated, informed, healthy decisions based on who you are, no matter what your sexuality or gender is. So, and it's so important. It's so, so, so important. Yeah. Oh my God, I just can't speak highly enough of it. <laughs> um, however, Comprehensive sex education does promote sexual abstinence as the safest sexual choice for young people, which is true. It's not our favorite choice at yeah. all. I'm looking at Zoe. Zoe's like, I'm not feeling uh, this. It's but, not. I mean, if you're not trying to get pregnant, what are you going to do? You're not going to have sex, but you can use right. like condoms and the pill, yeah. patch, Mm-hmm. The sponge. <laughs> the sponge. The sponge makes me laugh. <laughs> I can't Between, handle the like, sponge. The sponge and the uh, it's the diaphragm. No, it's the female condom. <laughs> oh my god! I oh I like watching reaction videos of people looking at a female condom for the first time and like pulling it out. <laughs> Is and being this like, what you do in your free what? time? <laughs> Listen, buddy, we all have our weird, fancy things that we do in our free time. Drink wine and watch people react to female condoms. You know what's up. Also, just, like, the sexism in, like, female condoms. You know? Yeah. And also just they're so expensive. Yeah, why? And they're hard to find. Oh, yeah. I think I found a few, and I, like, grabbed a few at, like, our local universities, like, student help and wellness. And I just have them for, like... I don't know. You never just know when you need them. Reasons. Yeah. Well, <laughs> reasons. I, I always get exactly. them just because I'm like, I don't think I will need them personally just because as much as I promote condoms, I'm definitely pretty lame about using them, but I'm also on really good birth control and that's my own personal choice and I'm entitled yeah. to that. Yeah. Totally okay. Um, and I'm also educated on my body and ha 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 suck it. <laughs> Abstinence only education. 
Um, cheers to that. Uh, <laughs> I'll drink to that. I will be discuss- discussing sex education on kind of like policies and stuff they have within the states, like what they do and don't teach. So I'll let Zoe kind of like read off some data. Yeah. So we've got a lot of facts because we're educated women and we love it. Um, So 24 states and D.C. mandate that sex education or like youth receive sex education Mm -hmm. in some form. Um, 24 states and D.C. are not that many places in the world, in the U.S. Sorry, not in the world, (laughs) but also in the world on a separate note. Um, Anyways. And then 37 states require that when sex ed is taught, it must include include abstinence. So going back to what we said, 37 of those states out of 50, um, pretty much, I mean, they have abstinence. So it's not even just like, you know, making the decision not to have sex. Mm-hmm. It's like abstinence is the best. Um, mm-hmm. And then 26 of those states that re- or require that abstinence needs to be stressed during sex education level lessons. So 26 states out of 50 states pretty mm-hmm. much say abstinence is the best way it's the safest way it's the only way yeah which isn't true at all um this one really stuck out to me um so only 13 states require that information taught in sex education is like needs to be medically accurate yikes 13 states out of how many out of 50 50 50 fucking states like isn't that crazy yeah (laughs) 13 of them so like that means that you know, anyone that's outside of those that is outside of those thirteen states could possibly just be learning, like learning. You know, completely unfactual is that a word? Non-factual information, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. So, which is so problematic, and that's mm-hmm. I think why we have so many different like not biases, but just well, biases. Um, but also just, like, misinformation spreading, like, wildfires because, like, we may have learned it. And, you know, I feel like you always kind of have the trust in the teacher who is teaching this stuff because you wouldn't think for it to be not factually correct. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, maybe it is. And I also encourage all of you, if you're in school um, currently and receiving sex education, ask if, you know – Ask if it's medically accurate. Ask for that resource guide. Yeah. Ask for those damn resources because you deserve that information. Um, Also, you know, Google your state and see if it even requires medically accurate information. And then, you know, reflect on the sex education that you received or didn't receive. Um, If you didn't receive sex education, you know, there's a lot of opinions with that. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you did receive sex education, like, was it actually medically accurate? And Mm -hmm. then also, like, what can you remember when you took sex or sex ed or if you teach sex ed, Mm -hmm. you know, is it medically accurate or how can you make it medically accurate? How can Mm -hmm. you, you know, do your part in this? I also want to talk about before you, like, continue with these facts. Is this ethical? Fuck no. (laughs) Is this ethical to be teaching students medically incorrect facts about their bodies? I, I see it like this. So an anatomy teacher is not going to teach you incorrect, but like incorrect information about like your yeah. nervous system or your skeletal yeah. system. Why do we have to teach incorrect information about the reproductive system in sex ed? Yeah, yeah. Like it is that it's that it's that simple. I don't know. It's yeah, just everyone, like we said before, everyone deserves the right to understand their body and have a quality education about their body. And it just it blows my mind and it baffles me how. Like, the federal government lets this happen. 
Yeah, because in the end, they let the states decide what curriculum, what will be taught, where that funding's coming from, which surprisingly, like most of that funding's coming from absence-only program because it's the safest Right. And we'll talk about funding too in a second. Yeah. It's wild to me. It really is. Mm -hmm. I just... Oh, so you guys can let us know if you think it's ethical or not. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll love to have these discussions. No, I want to have these discussions. Yeah. We should be having these discussions. Right. Um, so further, 18 states in D.C. that re- require – oh, my gosh. Words are hard. Yes. 18 states in D.C. require that when sex education is taught, information on contraception is needed and provided. Um, wow. 18 states. That's only 18 low. states provide education on contraceptives. Um, and also, I mean, that always makes me think of like the, like the model of like, you know, the good old, the wooden penis being brought out. Wooden penis? <laughs> you mean the banana? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's also somewhere in another world, there's like a large wooden penis that you watch your teacher put on a condom. A probably. large wooden penis. <laughs> yeah. Have you not seen those? I don't know. I feel like. <laughs> have you not seen? No, I haven't. <laughs> I feel like. One of my, I mean, she wasn't my health teacher and she was a really good teacher, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a false memory of mine. Maybe I'm just imagining <laughs> a large wooden penis. <laughs> Who knows? Um, anyways, so that's the thing. Um, but like, you know, just putting on a condom, probably incorrectly, you have to pinch the top of the condom to put it on. A lot of people forget this. Surprise people with penises. You need to pinch it. Yeah. Please pinch it. Yeah. Or even if you're, like, putting it on to someone who has a penis, mm-hmm. like, always pinch the top. Mm-hmm. You can still make it sexy. It's not, like, unsexy for, like, hey, can I pinch your tip? Safe I mean, sex is sexy. It is. <laughs> and it always will be. Um. So, yeah. That's a thing. And only 18 states. It's wild. 18. 18. Um, Which is worse, the 18 states? Or the 13 states that require the information be medically accurate. We want to know. Uh, for me personally, it's 13. But 13 blows my mind. I know. What if those 13 states, and I don't know this, I'd have to check the website, which we'll link down below. Yes. Um, what if those 13 states are within the the little like data of the 18 states? Oh, probably. Like, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Just kidding. I understand what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's... Mm. That scares me. That scares me for, like, future generations. That scares me for just people's bodies in general. Yeah. Right. Anyways. Yeah. It's uh, so problematic. Anyways. um, So, anyways, that's not all of the information even broke down. Um, We use the Goot Matcher. Goot Matcher. We don't know what it's called. Yeah. So, it's uh, G-U-T-T-M-A-C-H-E-R, but it's linked below in the show notes. Um, So, Please check it out. Also, if you know how to pronounce it, please let us know. Please. <laughs> um, but, you know, it – like, we're not even talking about, like, all of the information. So if you want to learn more insane facts about what's going on in the world or specifically within the U.S., um, go check out that website. Um, and it breaks it down even further to whether or not consent is taught, whether – you know, life skills should be taught and other information that is pretty much already included in comprehensive sex education. Yeah. It's really interesting to see if like the state you reside in is teaching comprehensive sex education. That's a little, 
like on a leash. Yeah. Or even, yeah, like what level of comprehensive sexual mm-hmm. education are you receiving? You know, might masquerade between or like behind comprehensive sex education. And you might get all medically accurate information, but like to what level is it truly inclusive mm-hmm. of, you know, all people? Mm-hmm. So how exactly does sex education get its funding? So according to Planned Parenthood's website, we love Planned Parenthood, especially we really do. their Action Fund website. So good. Just, so many good resources, so mm-hmm. much knowledge that's medically factual and mm-hmm. backed up by science mm-hmm. and, you know, all of the things that you didn't get in high school or middle school, whenever you received mm-hmm. sex ed. Yeah, so they described um, that sex education funding is largely up to the state and local government. Yikes. This also includes whether sex education programs get funded at all, meaning that some schools don't get sex ed because they don't have the funding for it. That's fucked up. It's so wild to me. And especially, I mean, like, schools in lower income districts anyways are so... They're struggling. Yeah, all the time with everything. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm, so we're going to cut out, like, a basic life thing that you human should be... Right? Yeah, like, entitled to. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a damn human right that we are violating, but it's fine. Um, it's not fine. No. That's just me trying to cope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so... So mm-hmm. even through the um, brief research of this topic, the sources where the funding came from was very fuzzy. Just to do like a quick Google search of like where sex ed gets its funding from, I found more information about abstinence-only funding than I did comprehensive sex education. Most of this information that I did find was stuff related to Obama when he was in office for comprehensive sex education. Which and- I miss him dearly. Obama, if you're listening... I miss thank you. you. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> and I miss you, and we're going to talk more about you later. Yes, we are. Um, so that's fairly recent. Like, Obama was in office, like, within the past, like, decade or so. Um, so that means that prevention and pregnancy, pregnancy prevention yeah. um, funding has been fairly recent for the United States. So, anyways, abstinence only, they get hella money. They have spent over <laughs> big two surprise. Yeah, seriously, big surprise. They spent over two billion on their quote unquote sex education programs since 1982. Ugh. Yikes. And who was probably in power? <laughs> white men. men. White <laughs> men. It's always the white men. It's always. And I I don't know. I feel like even with political legislature, there needs to be like women. There needs to be non-binary people. There needs to be queer folk. Mm -hmm. There needs to be people with disability, people people of color. Yeah. They all need to be included in making this decision. And it should not just be white, rich, like rich growing up, rich their entire lives, people who are white, who have Mm -hmm. high class, who live in very safe. Or just you know, even being white a white man with privilege. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Anyways. It's so difficult. <laughs> aside from our little rant. Um, so absence only until marriage has to follow an eight-point definition. So the two points out of the eight-point definition of absence only until marriage um, education Stood out. The ones that stood out to me the most were teaches abstinence from sexual activity outside mar- outside marriage as the expected 
expected standard for all school-age children. So within this curriculum, I hate saying that in the same (laughs) sentence as abstinence, um, it teaches students that it's either this and nothing else. And that's it. That's that's your choices. It's like either abstain unless you're married or get pregnant and die. Yeah. I just – that just – I don't know. It just – you shouldn't be educating kids on that, that there's many other ways to prevent unwanted pregnancies. There's a, many alternatives um, if you do not want to, like, carry at all. And that's okay to have that. And I just think that it shouldn't – Abstinence shouldn't be the only expected standard of for all school age children to understand. Um, the other one that stood out to me the most is teaches that abstinence from sexual activity is the only certain way to avoid, avoid here's our favorite word, out of wedlock, pregnancy, Ugh. STIs, and other associated <laughs> health problems. What do they mean by that? What do they mean by other associated health problems? It just reminds me of, like, the going back to, like, the whole, like, psychological damage that, like, you're going to get. Like, I'm sorry. Go ahead and be a hoe. Like, we're in full support of it. Also, like, whorephobia in our culture is super real. Yeah. All over the world, too, I feel like. And it's – you're fine. Like, you're fine. If you want to do whatever you want to do, do it because you know yourself the most and the best. Um, Also, like, Googling – like, within sex ed and even outside of sex ed, Googling, like, worst-case scenario STIs, like, the good old, you know, like, the blue waffle search. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Right? I just I rolled so hard on I that. I know. And, like, that's not an effective way of, Mm-mm. like, prevention. That's not an effective way of education. That's not an effective way of communicating any of these things because, I don't know, it's just not. <laughs> Um, the it's, other one, it blows my mind that yeah. people don't see this as a big giant ass red flag. Right. And that's the thing if, like, and again, that's why we're doing this is because we just don't talk about it enough because it's mm-hmm. such a taboo subject that it's fine lying in silence because no one cares enough to double check it or no one cares enough to even check it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Obviously as yeah. 13 states only allow or 13 states mandate that it has to be factually correct. So, you know, what if it's someone sitting in an office somewhere who's like, "Eh, I think this is what, you know, I learned in sex ed. I'm going to put this into curriculum and curriculum and heavy quotation marks and, you know, share it with hundreds of kids. Like that's, I don't think that's very fair to anyone, to literally anyone involved. Or if they leave it up to religious organizations, like I'm not badging, badging, I'm not like trying to hurt religion at all, but and we'll be doing a, an entire podcast yeah. on religion and sexuality, too. So we'll get more into this, but sorry to cut you oh, off Oh, no, again. totally fine. Um, but I don't know. Just having a religious organization kind of tell you what to do. And if it's a public school, I see a huge problem in that. If it's a private school, I understand. It's a private school. It's a little bit easier to explain. I think also just, like, teacher biases get into that a lot of, mm-hmm. like, you know, who is the person who's teaching it? Yeah. And how are they more or less tweaking the curriculum mm-hmm. to fit, you know, what they feel comfortable teaching or yeah. what they even want to hear? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think about that a lot too. So obviously there's eight. There's one more that I want to touch on just because this one also stuck out to me a lot as well. Um, and this one says, 
teaches that a mutually faithful monogamous relationship. Sorry, I just lost my train. Or just lost where I was at. I lost my train too. I lost my train. She's gone. <laughs> um, teaches that a mutually faithful monogamous relationship in the context of marriage is the expected standard of human sexual activity. There's so many things with this. There's so many things. Mm-hmm. Go off. So uh, allow me. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So first of all, mutually faithful. You don't have to be the same religion as someone or the same faith mm-hmm. or whatever, even if you're spiritual or non-spiritual or however you practice that. Or if you don't practice, I don't care. You can marry someone or be in a relationship one relationship with someone, whatever that relationship is, with someone who does not practice the same thing that you do or if they practice like they don't have to practice so that blows my mind for one and Mm -hmm. two I mean it just kind of you know is that step that shows that this was really kind of created as like a guise of religion yeah I'll get more into that good stuff in a second um but also that it's purely monogamous. Your relationships do not have to be monogamous. Mm-hmm. You can be polyamorous. You can do whatever you want if that's, you know, your jam. Like, I don't care. It's not part of me. It's not, you know, part of anyone else. It's up to you. Um, it's not part of this curriculum. Or it is part of this curriculum, and that's why we hate it and we're speaking against it. But Side note. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, this curriculum should not, at least what I think I – don't think it should teach you to be, you know, you have to be monogamous. You have to be in the same faith or even faithful at all. Um, but, you know, again, that's just specifically within the context of marriage. But mm-hmm. even then, it's like, you know, it's like a lot more than just marriage. We know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, also just that, like, that's the expected standard of human sexual activity. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that, I mean, like, let us know, too, what you think about that one, because yeah. that one, I think, is just so loaded. Let's have the talk. Yeah, I'm so I'm so. I want to have the talk. And especially, I mean, if you had abstinence-only sexual education, like, share your experiences with us. We I want to hear love, it. Yeah. yeah. And if you're comfortable sharing them or wanting to, like, have them shared over this podcast, like, we'd be, we'd be super, super, oh, my gosh, we would We're be done. super, <laughs> yeah. We would be super interested in, like, having that because, oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, yeah. we went to sit the same high school together, too. So we technically received what I would say would be comprehensive sex education. Kind of. Like, kind of. baseline of it. Yeah. So, like, I know for me, I had – because we're a couple – just – are we one grade? Yeah, I think we're one year apart. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my grade, I remember, they were in the process of editing the sex ed curriculum – so you got it in middle school and I got it in high school, mm-hmm. but our our health and physical education, like our PE class, was every other day, and then every other day of that every other day was like it would flip flop. Yeah. yeah, so it'd be like yeah, it'd be health PE, health PE, but like every other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah, so it'd be like health. Like study hall, PE, study hall, health. Yeah. 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 It was so messy. Anyways, and so like we got a bare minimum of what it was. Yeah, they just like touched the surface. Yeah. That's and then it. yeah. And then there was an optional class that I took um called Social Issues in Biology, an amazing class. 
Um, <clears throat> y'all know who taught it. If yeah, you know. seriously, we love you. If- <laughs> um, Marcy Hand, if you're watching this, just know that Hearing I love this. you. Yes, yeah. we love you. Or not watching this, yeah. <laughs> um, we love you dearly. I hope that you're having a good life. Um, but yeah, like actually taught it better because she realized that like none of us even had a background or even a base of what the hell it was or like how our body parts parts worked. So that's a whole thing. And that was offered only for seniors. Yeah. It was only offered for seniors. The and the class was so popular that it would like, it would fill up super quick too. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. It just goes to show that, you know, people want to learn about this stuff and people want to talk about exactly. those taboo subjects because that's what the entire class was. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I wish everyone had that class. Oh, I wish it was mandatory. <sighs> All across the board. Everyone needs to take a class in that. So that was just a lot of information we threw at you and a lot of our opinions we threw at you. Yeah. This stuff can be easily simplified. We got this from the SSA, which is a government organization. And we also got it from Planned Parenthood's um, Action Fund, yeah. too, which it's, will be linked. Yep. Below, so they right? will both be in the show notes. So you can definitely check those out if you want to look further into them. If you want to bypass all of our opinions and form your own opinions, that's totally okay. Feel free to do that. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to tell you that you have to have the exact same opinion as I do. In fact, I encourage you to make your own decision and make Mm -hmm. form your own opinions because that's what, you know, we need to create change. And according to Planned Parenthood on their uh, Action Fund website, abstinence-only advocates have been rebranding their programs to be called Sexual Risk Avoidance or SRA programs. So I'm seeing a similar comparison with this in, like, abortion clinics that are not technically clinics and ran by pro-life or personnel. Um, Just throwing that idea out there. Yeah. Also, just the fact that they have to have advocates for this program. Yeah. Like... So, I don't know. To me, that always just seems like they know it's under attack. They know that, like, it's probably not the best. Yeah. Um, But, you know. They're insecure. Yeah. So, they're trying to get funding from other sources by rebranding their, quote-unquote, curriculum. Like, sexual risk risk avoidance sounds really good on paper. I'll give them that much. Oh, yeah. It does. It sounds good. It sounds sounds better than comprehensive sex. Oh, right. Right? Some, Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you'll look into, like, the real life of what it is, and it is not good at all. Um, Also, just, like, I don't know, the abortion clinics that, like, work under the guise of really open and Mm -hmm. really good, I guess, are usually pretty problematic. Um, I have a little story, another little tangent (laughs) for y'all. But I actually had a friend who just needed a pregnancy test. Um, It was something in a situation where she's like, you know, I think I just need the blood thing because it's not, I don't think it's coming up right, you know, whatever. Um, And so I was like, yeah, like, I'll be your girl. Like, I'll come with you. And Mm -hmm. usually I am that person. I am, like, the person that gets, like, those good old 3 a.m. texts that I'm like, that are like, uh, what do I do? I haven't had my period in, like, three months. And I'm like, oh, my God. You should have called me after, like, the first month. Right? Yeah. So, anyways, um, let us know if you're in that situation and we will help and provide resources. Yes, let's anyways, help you. Yes. Um, but so we went to this. We didn't realize that what it was truly. Um, we thought it was a supportive place. Um, they're really, really good about their marketing and how they go about explaining what they do in kind of like a blanket sense. 
Um, but so when we showed up, they were like, yeah, like we'll go ahead and get the pregnancy test. It was a completely free pregnancy test. Mm -hmm. Um, the same one that you get in like a doctor's office, but they don't tell your parents, they don't do whatever. Um, I mean, the people there were super supportive. Yeah. And then, you know, then they got into the questions that are like, oh, so like, what are you going to do if you have the baby? And for the person I knew, um, they were specifically like, I I mean, I think I'd get rid of it. I'm not sure if I'm ready yeah. for that. I'm not sure if I'm, you know, able to like financially, physically, mentally take care of another yeah. human being, mm-hmm. which is completely okay. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah. And so... Then, you know, the person that we were working with, the nurse, I believe. Nurse. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> literally, that's what it is. Um, you know, was like, hey, um, well, if you bring this baby into the world, like, we'll give you everything. Like, we have so much, so much stuff, like, donated to us. So we can provide diapers and wipes and clothing and blankets and cribs and bassinets and all of, you know, the super expensive things because it's a lot of money to have a child in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, abortion was not an option, even though they definitely wanted it to seem like they would provide abortions or provide yeah. resources. Yeah. Um, I made the realization afterwards that there was literally a cross within <laughs> the uh, logo of theirs. Uh, lessons learned afterwards, putting the two hundred together. <laughs> um, but just you know, be mindful. And if you, if you find yourself in that place to like, you know, you have your right to just get up and leave or, you know, knowing your boundaries and all of that stuff. But I mean, overall, just don't feel like you're trapped in that situation because Mm -hmm. you're not, and they will definitely make you feel trapped. At least, you know, the experience that I had, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe not all of them will bring in faith very quickly and very like affirmatively. Um, but you know, just make your own decisions if you are able to and educated to. And even if you're, you know, if you feel comfortable doing that. Also find your support system. Find yeah. a buddy to go with. Yeah. I'm sure if you ask like one of your like Biffles, like one of your best friends or like just a friend or just an acquaintance, like, yeah, I'm sure they'll go with you. Right. As the Biffle who went, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I can attest to this. And it was, I mean, at least for us too, I feel like it was a very interesting scenario as neither of us are very, um, <clears throat> Christian by any means as this specific organization was very Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and we both also support access to abortion and, mm-hmm contraception and all of the things that are uh, Good. definitely human rights. Yeah. yeah. So to wrap up the SRA programs that um we the- were talking about six minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we were talking about six minutes ago. Um, these programs that uh, absence only until marriage advocates have been rebranding their programs for, um, this could easily be this like security for a new stream of federal funding and support for them. So they've already had like over $2 billion and they are trying to continue grow and receive more money from the government, especially the federal government. Um, Yeah. That's just something to look out for and just like be aware of what Planned Parenthood is like advocating for and how they're trying to kind of not, well, yeah, demolish. We're trying to demolish (laughs) a system. At least I am. (laughs) So comprehensive sex education, where do they get their funding? Most of their funding, surprisingly, is from local governments, local and state governments. Um, 
Obama did start something when he was in office. Miss yay him. for starts. Yay <laughs> for starts, though. Yes. He started – he, he sharded. He started two small funding streams to teen pregnancy prevention programs. One of them. Are you still laughing that I said sharded? I, I still like try to imagine Obama sharding and I just cannot. He, everyone sharts. It happens. Just one of those things. It's just Anyways, happens. I'm a child. Go off. He started um, this teen pregnancy prevention program, one of them calling one of them being called the Personal Responsibility Education Program, also called PrEP. Which is also not the prophylactics educate or no, post-exposure prophylactics. That's what it is. That one. Which I also, I miss, I, <laughs> I misinterpreted. So, mm-hmm. but yes, yeah, super cool still. Also PrEP super cool, just the other PrEP. So the information I'm going to be discussed is more geared towards the state we are currently in. So it says, Iowa youth are empowered to make healthy choices and positive decisions regarding sexual behaviors They as they prepare for a successful adulthood. This focus primarily on populations from youth ages 10 to 19 who are residing in areas of the state with the highest teen birth rates. I wonder if this youth reside, the youth residing in this areas with the highest teen birth rates has less funding for sex ed in the areas where these topics aren't being properly discussed. Does this mean this is a problem at state level? Like, how does this go? It's kind of wonky. Yes. I'm still trying to, like, <laughs> comprehend what you just asked. <laughs> okay. So, I guess I was just kind of, like, asking it for, like, everyone. Oh, yeah, So, yeah. they're looking for um, states with the highest teen birth rates, and this program is kind of geared towards them. Okay. I kind of made I a understand. fisting motion yes. while I said yeah. that. <laughs> well, um, this is fisting, the- it's fun. <laughs> um, but, okay, yeah, now I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and I... I don't know. It's one of those, like, toss-ups. It's like, you know, should we make this accessible to everyone? Yes. Are we putting it into the populations that it needs to go into? Yeah, but, like... It should go into everyone. Yeah. Everyone should have the same Yeah, I don't think it should just be restricted restricted to, like, high risk. Also, I'm making air quotation marks. So, like, you know, uh, high risk. Um, Populations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And then he started another funding stream um, program called the Teen Pregnancy Prevention Program. This is quite similar to the program I previously mentioned. He was just trying to create two separate streams of funding so we can help these populations out. So these programs were created to provide funding and support for sex education programs that are backed up by science. So this is extra stuff so that important into the Comprehensive Sex Education Program. So to kind of wrap up this topic, and it is a little fuzzy and just kind of where funding comes from within the federal government and the state government has always been fuzzy, which I find very problematic because we don't really understand where this money's coming from. Is it just a number? Is this money even real? So to wrap up this topic, this means that every state, every school district, every community, and every single student may not be receiving the same information as one another. And we all need to learn the same information. We need to have this information accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Where exactly does abstinence only get their funding? So, big fact, 
Big fact. Absent only um, has spent over $2 billion on their quote-unquote sex education program since 1982. So this program, used loosely, must follow an eight-point definition. And Zoe's going to touch base on a few of the ones that stuck out to her the most. Yeah, but first of all, also just like who's probably in place in power who's choosing this stuff? <clears throat> White men. White men. Yep. With power. Yep. And they suck. Yep. Newsflash. And it's not inclusive either. It doesn't talk about queer folk. It doesn't talk no. about persons of color, uh, people with disability. Where? What else am I missing? I'm missing like something. Sex work. It doesn't talk about sex anything. Yes. They don't even talk about sex work. And then if it is, it's super demonized and that's not fair to anyone. Mm-mm. So it's a whole thing. Anyways, so there is an eight point definition and it sucks. It's gross. It's gross. Um, I don't really agree with like most of the things. There's a few of them where I'm like, eh, I understand where they're coming from but saying still. like, I don't know, exactly. like teaching young people how to like reject sexual advances. I think that's important, but that's it not, also, there's, there's, there's more to yeah. that. And like, it's not just like how to reject sexual advances. It's like how to not even like put Get up in those there advances. In the yeah, yeah. Like don't be creepy. Yeah. Anyways. But there are some ones that stuck out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so two that stuck out to me were that um, one of them, it says, teaches that sexual activity outside of the context of marriage is likely to have harmful psychological and physical effects. <sighs> I'm assuming they're talking about STIs, which most of them can be treated. Yeah. That being said, the point of their definition for absence only until marriage is shaming those who do have STIs, like herpes. And, like, you're not dirty if you have an STI. It's totally okay. And, like, some of it is preventable. And, like, also just, like, knowing how, like, what the different STIs are and how they work. um, Definitely. How they can be treated. Yeah. Just normalizing them. Right. It's... Okay to have an STI. Yes. You're not. I know you might feel embarrassed and stuff about it, but society's making you feel embarrassed, right, Zoe? Right. Exactly. One time I got diagnosed with chlamydia and I found it on Christmas. And now there's just a long running joke in my family that I got Christmas chlamydia. (laughs) I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just so you know, I'm Zoe who got Christmas chlamydia. I want that on a t-shirt. Yeah. But honestly, I got rid of my chlamydia. Yeah, I definitely do it. Um, to Christmas chlamydia. Take a chlamydia. drink to that. Yeah. <laughs> chlamydia. If you're in the car, take a drink of your water, of your coffee. Please what are you drinking in the car? Yeah. Um, but literally, I had to take one singular pill. Maybe there was two. I don't know. Yes. There were big pills, but, like, that was it. That's all that I did. That was the entire treatment, and I'm fine. Yeah. And, like, chlamydia also doesn't appear with any symptoms. So it was like, I didn't think anything of it until I went in for my normal birth control appointment. And they were like, hey, by the way. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just as easy as that. So, mm-hmm. and it might be embarrassing, but I definitely ran downstairs and I was like, hey, mom, guess what? Um, but that's also just me. So <laughs> everyone's different. Everyone's yeah. different with their comfort level of their bodies. Yeah, too. exactly. And I think if we normalized it more, then maybe there'd be more people. But also <laughs> STIs live in silence and we need to stop that because that's mm-hmm. how they um, don't. I mean, that's how we're all un- uneducated about it. That's how uneducation thrives. So, mm-hmm. yes, um, STIs do not make you dirty and you are totally fine and 
that is that is my rant. Okay. But the next <laughs> one that also stuck out to me too is that it teaches that burying children out of wedlock. <laughs> um, I hate is, that word. Right? I hate that. Um, oh, wait. Actually, before I go into that one, that one's a loaded one though. But <clears throat> the wording, the choice of wording is um, like, or no, sexual activity outside of the context of marriage it also means that you probably, like, need to get married. You don't have to get married. Um, that's a whole thing. Anyways, okay. But <laughs> fast forward to the next one. Teaches that burying children out of wedlock is likely to have harmful consequences for the child, the child's mm-hmm. parents, and society. I don't really like that one. As someone who was technically born out of wedlock, um, I can tell you first-handedly that – first-handedly <laughs> – First-handed that I had a very normal childhood. Um, I had the privilege of my parents never being married and never getting divorced. Um, so it was actually a very healthy life that I lived. Um, my parents never really got into arguments because they were never married and there was never anything that they mm-hmm. could really discuss. Mm-hmm. That also being said, I feel like there's also a stigma with like, you know, young parents and out of wedlock babies. Totally. I also just I hate that word. Just like it's mm, outdated. No. Yeah, it's outdated. What's it a better to- word that I can use? Is there one? I can't think of any. But if you know a better word, let us know. Yes, because please. Let I'm us know. totally open to it. Um, but she, my mother was 27 when she had me. Like she was not young at all, but also like, you don't have to be young and Mm -hmm. neither of my parents have gotten married. So like, you don't have to be married to have kids. You don't have to be in a committed relationship to have kids. My parents definitely were not. They have never dated in their entire lives. They have no desire to date. They just really like hooking up and that is totally okay. Yeah. Hooking up is totally fine. Yeah. And they still had a custody battle over me because they were, you know, invested in my life. Mm -hmm. There's a whole thing with that. But, you know, it was (laughs) short-lived because also we like always favor the mothers. But, you know, in my position, it was definitely better. But that's a whole thing. Um But yeah, like, it's not super harmful. Like, it may suck being a single parent, but it always does. And it's always more stress. Mm -hmm. But realistically, uh, no. Like, I'm okay. And my mom is okay. And my dad is okay. And, like, we're living a great life. Arguably better than some of my friends who have divorced parents. Because I never had to experience, like the violence that happened within that, like the arguing and all of mm-hmm. all of the good stuff that comes with divorce. Um, I shouldn't say good stuff. That but was that stuff, was sarcasm. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's a whole thing. So the sources from that information come from the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States. Also linked in the show notes. Yeah, super interesting to look at. They talk about a variety of different topics, so definitely worth the little ponder or the real, the little thumb scroll mm-hmm. <laughs> on your phone. So let's talk about the future of sex education. What is happening now for the future of sex education? Zoe, where do you think sex education is going to go from here? I mean, I always hope it's going to get better, but then also the pessimist in me is like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I hope that it gets more inclusive and I hope that you know, since I think we're starting to get better as a society to talk mm-hmm. about all of these really taboo topics, I hope that, you know, it just becomes more of a, like, nonchalant thing. Or, again, just, like, 
paying attention to what's going on and how we're learning and what we're Mm -hmm. learning and where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not just like, yeah, cool, I learned this. But it's also like, yeah, I learned this and, you know. I'm using it. Yeah, and I'm using it and also I know where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, How about yourself? I hope it's more LGBTQ friendly. So much. Um, As a little queer myself. Not a little queer. I'm pretty big queer. Your girl's thick. (laughs) The big queer. <laughs> Your girl is thick. Um, I hope that it's more inclusive and it talks about like sexualities and just kind of like trying to put a label to how I'm feeling or what I'm attracted to and just really discussing that because there's a lot of closeted queers or just questioning queers and they're like, I don't know what to do. And most of their research is online and though like the internet is amazing, it's also dangerous and sometimes you need to hear it from like a teacher or just discussed about in like a pamphlet or just something. There needs to be something for the queer community out there. I also feel that queer sex education needs to become more of a thing. Like how to like properly have sex. Is that appropriate in school? I feel like that'd be appropriate (laughs) for like mature students and stuff um, such as like juniors and seniors in high school. I feel like that'd be okay. I mean, I guess it depends. I mean, yeah, and it totally depends on, like, this, like, population level and stuff like that. So I hope that will soon be a thing. I hope to be a part of that movement as, like, a future queer sex educator. I want to be there for it. I want to be active in it. And I just want to, like, help kids out because I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be stuck in the closet. I understand what it feels like to have your parents feel equally as confused as you are and I feel like those young students need to understand that they're not alone and they can become so much more from where they are now yeah sorry to get like no emo (laughs) no I get it it's just a moving topic like it was really hard for me and I wish I had someone there to help me yeah also just like the whole you know not everyone is straight and like we don't need to just like assume everyone's straight it doesn't need to be heterosexual like sex education needs to be like lgbtq right like using dental dams and how like you know you know you're not gonna always have like pnv sex which is just you know penis and vagina sex like there's so many other sexual things that you can either do with like a different body or whatever or with the same body that you have. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be oh my god trade of. Yeah. No. And I feel like that's how sex is portrayed. Like not everyone gets off to that. Yeah. And that's like gonna be another thing we're hopefully going to be discussing. Yeah. With this like podcast series is just and like we'll be discussing it we in depth. <laughs> <laughs> just like the how to like get off. And, like, find things that feel comfortable for your body and just feel good. And also just, like, the fact that, like, penetrative sex doesn't have to be with a penis. Like, oh, my God, we have fingers, we have tongues, we have strap-ons, we have everything, we have toys, we have, like, kitchen objects, household objects. It's okay. Figure whatever works for you and know it and learn it and that's Mm -hmm. why we're here and because we want to make it inclusive and not forget entire populations um big populations big populations for that matter yeah and yeah yep yep (laughs) there are many organizations within the united states that are advocating for better sex education such as (coughs) necessary behavior (laughs) necessary behavior is a big one um advocates for youth youth is a big one they currently have a free curriculum online called the three r's which stands for rights respect and responsibility these are free free 
lessons. <laughs> They're free. <laughs> I They're <can't>. free. <laughs> we cannot stress that enough. And these lessons go from kindergarten to 12th grade. So examples of these topics include different kinds of families, understanding our bodies, um, lessons about friendship, gender roles, harassment, bullying, puberty, reproduction, communication, boundaries, abuse, gender, sexual orient, gender and sexual orientation, as well as reproductive rights. So this curriculum is awesome because it sets students up for success. And it's free. And it's free. And the information continues to build up on top of each other, such as referring back to previous lessons and topics, making them connect and intersecting ideas. Therefore, this curriculum is trying to build you up and just become a well-rounded person, which I think is awesome. And it's free. And it's free. I can't stress <laughs> that enough. I just found out about it like a month or so ago. And it's, I love it. It t- tells you everything you need to do. It gives you resources and things you need to do. They pilot these curriculums with students. There's California and Florida. And I pages. believe, yeah. yeah, California, Louisiana, and Florida have piloted this and they've shared their curriculum that they modified within the three R's and posted online. It's just really interesting to look at. So definitely give yeah. that a look if this is something you're interested yeah. in. Yeah. And even, you know, if you're like, oh, you know, I want to look more at this topic, like look into it. Also, I don't think that there's, I think there's also just a stigma of like how young we can start sexual education. Yeah. It is so important to start as young as possible. I don't think that there's a certain age that is necessary to start it at. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that pretty much as long – or, I mean, the second that you learn to talk and to walk, I feel like you should be taught some form of sex ed. Obviously, you're not going to talk about, like, mm, like gender and sexual orientation to, like, a two-year-old. No. You're probably going to talk about, like, families and, like, yeah, race and just simple topics like that. Yeah. That are very, like, and complex. consent. Like, consent, you don't have to – yeah, like, you don't have to hug grandma. Also, grandma might be smelly. So, like, don't hug you grandma if no. you don't want to hug grandma. Yeah, like, Learning to say no at a young age is so important. Yeah, and also having those conversations with, like, other family members. So, you know, if you're someone who has kids or are around kids um, or, you know, know someone who interacts with kids, you know, having those conversations of, like, hey, if a kid tells you no, like, you don't have to force it because that's mm-hmm. weird. Um, and, yeah, I just think it's really important, too, how they build off of everything and it is inclusive and goes into so much around, you know, so many different topics. Yeah. There's also another awesome free resource online called Amaze, and this is more so operated towards the visual learners, I would say. They're all video-based. It's very simplified at first, and it goes into very complex ideas, but it it's hard to describe. It's formatted in a way that you will understand it, and there's resources for the young person. There's resources for the teacher, and there's resources for parents, so it's multidimensional in that way that can be used in a variety of different ways. Yeah, and so, you know, whatever your role in this specific place is, you know, if you're just someone who wants to forward it over to, you know, a school that's near you or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have connections to teachers who might either teach or know someone who teaches sex education, you know, definitely forward over those resources because sometimes it's just a matter of like lack of education or, you know, here's what I want to do, but I don't really know where to go. And I think it's really important to, you know, continue these conversations. But, and then there's also our 
state-specific one and also the place that you're getting your certification yeah. through, which we love. Yes. It's called Eyes Open Iowa, and it's a really awesome organization that is in Des Moines, West Des Moines, somewhere around there. Um, they help you get your certify or certification in sex education. They also provide really awesome resources for kids, students, teachers, parents. They even give like advice for like older individuals on like sex and just like their bodies and how they're changing and stuff. It's just a really awesome organization. They have really awesome articles on there and a bunch of free like PDFs online that you can download. They're just fun to like ponder. Um, Definitely recommend checking them out. And if you're thinking about getting certified as a sex educator, you can reach out to me. Um, You can reach out to them. They'll probably know more (laughs) than I do because it's their baby, not mine. I'm just paying it for it. It is your baby. It is my baby. It's your adopted baby. That it's you're my adopted for, yeah. baby. Yes, that I am trying to love and nurture and just have that baby grow up. And we're going to have be. that baby grow up. That baby's going to grow up so strong <laughs> and empowered and inclusive. I hope so. And probably queer. Probably queer. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I guess. Zoe, do you have any questions? Yeah, for me? I mean, no, uh, not necessarily, but I mean, all of the things that we talked about are definitely in the show notes. So, yeah. um, but then also we have the resources that we talked about, and then we also have some mm-hmm. general resources and some just you know good websites to know of, um, and just things that we really like. And so, yeah. feel free to go check them out if you have any questions. Feel free to ask us because. We're all ears. Also, something that we talked about isn't clear or yeah. that you want to learn more about, let us know because we are so open to what you guys think and what you guys, you know, perceive and what we can do better at. Or mm-hmm. if you're if you want to call us out, I call us out. Yeah, please do call it. us out. I'm super into that. Um I'm super into that. I'm super into that. I am super into getting to be a better person. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, just yeah, you know, feel comfortable. I'm not gonna get mad at you if you call me out. So um or if there's something that you're like, hey, like I think you could do better on this, like I'm all ears. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Um but yeah, I guess all I wanna say is like, where do you guys think this is go? this is going to go where do you think the future of sex education is going to go is it going to go up down around the corner around yeah. where is it going to go how do you see it how is your sex education did you have sex education did you have a mentor like is was did your family talk about sex right let us know let's yeah. have this discussion yeah so, you know yeah <laughs> that's yeah I mean we're all ears all the time and so you know share our stories or if you just want to like process with us like yeah please process with us or if you're like oh my gosh I didn't realize that I had terrible education until mm-hmm. I listened to this which is also real like that's okay we're here we're always here for you except from like you know when I'm sleeping or like doing self-care or, you yeah know, whatever but that's important too. yeah <laughs> That about wraps everything up, I would say. Our first episode of our baby. Our little child. Yes. So we are so excited that you guys were here and you listened to the first episode. And obviously you've made it this far. 
Um, don't forget to like and subscribe. I'm kidding. That's so cringy of me. No, but actually do subscribe. Do write us a review on whatever you listen to this podcast on. Mm -hmm. Share it with all your friends. Tell your family. Tell everyone that you know. Share it with your followers. Just share it around because we think it's really important information and we hope that you do too. I don't know. Goodbyes are really hard. They I are. guess we'll like talk to you guys next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My heart's like breaking a little. I know. <laughs> That's I real. Feel like we had this really intimate moment with each other, but. Yes. And we're going to have a lot more. Um, hope you guys are ready for that. Um, and again, I am Zoe. I'm the CEO and founder of Necessary Behavior. And I'm Jess, and I'm just the bitch from the promo. <laughs> we love her. You can find Necessary Behavior on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter at Necessary Behavior, um, except for Twitter. Then it's Necessary Behave E, because, uh, which is just Necessary Behavior without the OR, because Twitter has, like, text limits. What? <laughs> like, you know, letter limits. Is that, what the hell is that called? Character limits. Character limits. There we go. Um, Yeah. So follow us and like us and do all the good things and be a good person in the world. And we love you. And we're so excited to have you on this educational, but super fun and kind of wine fueled journey. Yeah. I need to take another drink after mispronouncing fuel. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Bye.